I'm excited about today, and I'm excited to uh, just tag on to what has been uh, shared here by um, with Terry and uh, Folsom's, and um, there's so much that God has uh, in store for us and in mind for us as we um, learn to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So today, I just want to talk to you about reimagining your life, reimagining your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. So you may think, well, you know, is that really necessary? Uh, yes, it really is. <laughs> it really is necessary to reimagine your life. Uh, so I know you have your life. I know you have your life as it is. But what if God had something to say to you about your life that would truly give you a different vision for who you are and what you are created to be, what you are created to do, and how you are perfectly positioned to make a radical, profound, healing difference in the world in which you live. So this, I think, will require a reimagining of our, of our own lives. So I think one of the great exercises for this morning, as we look into God's Word, as it often always is when we go to God's Word, is that we set aside what we know in favor of what God may tell us. All right? See, our big problem is what we think we know. Hello, everybody out there? The big problem is, is what we think we know. Oh, yeah, I know about God's love. Oh, yeah, I go to church. Oh, yeah, I don't go to church, but sometimes I do. Uh, I know, like, I'm a good person, and I'm, you know, you know, I'm, you know. I, so we have our idea, but what is God's vision? So set aside what you know in favor of what God knows and what God wants to say to you about your life. And let's do that together. Uh, the text for today is uh, a repeat of a, of a portion of the text from last week, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, and then chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. There's a lot more we could add into this, but uh, these will suffice for today as we focus into this matter of our life together. All right? Now, right away, you're going to have to set aside what you think about your life, what you know about your life. Because already, when, many times when God's word comes to us, there are a thousand reasons why we are not willing to or don't believe that we can align with God's preference, his preferred vision for us. Okay? So we're going to just read this. And uh, as part of the review, uh, chapter 2, verses uh, 4 through 5, it says this. As you come to Jesus the living stone, rejected by people, but chosen by God, precious to him, you are also like living stones, being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So I just want you to look at that for a moment. I want to read it again, and I would like for you just to, again, ponder Uh, reflect on what is being said. As you come to him, you want to say that part with me? As you come to him, this is a very important piece we'll, we'll double back on. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by people, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. And so uh, the next verse is how God is going about this matter of building us into a spiritual house. Uh, Building us into a people 
who live by our relationship with God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so it's in chapter 4, verse 7, and we're picking it up in the middle of a context, and you can read ahead, uh, some of the verses ahead about this, but I want to zero in on verse 7. It says this, The end of all things is near, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's good, right? So these are words spoken to us by the Apostle Peter, someone who spent a lot of time with Jesus. He had a rather up-and-down relationship with Jesus until he was really filled with the Holy Spirit. And even then, and grow in his faith. And he, out of this relationship with God, out of having known Jesus and seen him, having listened to him, having followed him, having risked his life for Jesus, he speaks these words to you and me as followers of Jesus Christ. He gives us a way of reimagining our lives according to the desires of God for us through Jesus Christ. Uh, Just an opening paragraph would be this, that there's no shortage of opinions, preferences, and prejudices. In a culture that says, follow your own truth, what does the unfailing love of God say to us? Once again, we're encouraged to think again. And I find myself always having to do that. Think again about who I am in Christ and who we are and what we are doing here on the earth. Peter helps us find our way into a meaningful and life-giving way of being present in this world. He's trying to show us how to be in this world in a relationship with a, 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 an, an incredibly wonderful and beautiful God. So I just want you to note, looking back to chapter uh, 2 and verse 4, it says this. It says, As you come to him, the living stone rejected but chosen by God, rejected by others but chosen by God and, a pres- and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. I just want to focus on that one little phrase that I had you repeat earlier. As you come to him. As you come to him. I just want to remind you that it's God's will that the settled direction of your life is this. That you are always coming to Jesus. You are always coming to Jesus. That is the settled direction of your life. That is what you are called to do. If, if you were to say, what am I doing? Which way am I going? God's will for you, his expressed will for you, is that the direction, the settled direction of your life is that you're always coming to Jesus. No matter what else is happening in your life, you're always coming to Jesus. With that, with all those things... <laughs> Sometimes I'm coming to Jesus and I'm loaded down with an overweight backpack, right? 
or dragging stuff behind me. (laughs) And all the troubles and difficulties and challenges and questions and discouragements and disappointments of my life. But the settled direction of my life is this, to always be coming to Jesus. You see, Jesus is our life. He is our life. It is, you may ask, well, why would we do this? Because, because he is the one who has spoken to you and addressed you in your brokenness. He is the one in your, in your, in your lostness, in your brokenness. I mean, if, if you have that history, I mean, if you know him as the one who has the good news for the bad news within your life, if, you're, if you know that he's the one that has the way for you to move out from under the heavy load of shame and guilt and disappointment and hurt from the sins of others in your life and you know him to be the one, if you've encountered the good news of Jesus Christ, if you know him as the one who calls you beloved, even though you don't feel very beloved, the one who can see past all of the external stuff going on and address you as someone that is profoundly and forever loved, accepted, and forgiven, if you know him like that, then, he's, then, then, then come to him. Then come to him always, right? If he's the one that has brought you out of darkness into the light, he's the one that has caused you to have a, a new life into a living hope because of the gospel that's been spoken to you. I mean, if you know him, if you've been baptized in, in, into the waters of repentance and raised to new life in him, then if you've tasted that the Lord is good, then what? Then come to him, right? So the question kind of becomes for us, and why is it that a lot of times we find ourselves just sort of drifting? Why is it that we find ourselves preoccupied? with ourselves, overwhelmed, you know, by life, and then just staying in that sense of being overwhelmed rather than coming to him. Come, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are burdened and weighed down, and I will give you rest. So come, just like I've often said that, you know, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. He said this, he said, he said, the kingdom of of heaven is near. Repent. And I remember when I first saw this picture is that, that Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is near. Just right here. The kingdom of God. The help of God. The grace of God. Everything that you need of God is right here. So repent. Which means turn around. And I tell you this. As soon as we, as soon as we come to him. As soon as we turn, turn, as soon as we turn around. As soon as we surrender. We're going to run right into Jesus. We're gonna, you're going to run into Jesus. He doesn't say turn around and then and then chase me because I'm you know I'm 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 trying to stay away from you. No, turn around and you're going to run into me. So so come to him and I I love this and and we come to him because look at what he's doing. He is he is building us. We are living stones coming to the living stone Jesus, and we are like living stones being built into a spiritual house. So here's another like really beautiful thing. God's vision for us is that we are being built together. As I mentioned last week, this is not abstract. This is, this is like visible, experienced, something to be experienced. It's, you can be t- it can be touched. It, it is concrete in a sense. It's like real lives 
coming together. Real life's coming together. If you come on a Sunday morning and you just sat here and you're disconnected from anybody within this church community, then I just want to let you know that is not God's will for your life because you, his will, are being built together into a spiritual house in which he lives by his presence and through which he is present in the world, right? So you are being built together. So this is his plan. His plan is to take your life, boom, living stone. Your life, living stone. Your life, living stone. And build these living stones together into a spiritual house. In other words, a place in, in which God dwells, through whom God works, and whom God uses in this world to display, to display the truth of who he is. To display the power of who he is in this world. So, so you and I, you are being built together. When I was a kid, uh, I, uh, when I was a little kid, we lived on a farm. And uh, next to us in a farm down the way were two twin girls that were my friends. And uh, sometimes on Sunday afternoons, we'd get together. I don't know. I think I, think I felt God's call to, to be a pastor at that point. Because here's what we would do. We would get together in the afternoon after Sunday when our parents were trying to recover from the day. My dad was a farmer at that time. And, and of course, uh, their dad was a farmer. And it was hard work. And so on Sunday afternoon, there was just a little relaxed time. But, but my brother and me and those two girls, we'd get together and we'd play church. We'd play church. And so we would put, put that foot, the footstool up on the side, and that was like this. And, uh, and so then, uh, so one girl would play the piano the best she could. We were about seven, six or seven years old. Play the piano the best she could. And we would act like we were, like worship. And then, and then, uh, and then my brother would take the offering. <laughs> it's free poor, free poor pickings at that. And then uh, my brother would take the offering. Then I'd preach the sermon. And then my brother would come forward and repent of his sins. That, that was the plan. Right? And so, and, and, and believe you me, he needed to do that. Uh, although, <laughs> I probably needed it more than he did. Uh, and so, I just reflect back that we used to like play church. We would play church, right? And there, I just want to tell you that a lot of times, you know, it's, it's fun, it's nice, it's good. There's a, like something sweet in it every time. But I just want to let you know that if we come and we just like go through these motions today, but we are never allowing ourselves to be built together as living stones into a spiritual house by which God displays his glory to the world, then we're just playing church. Okay? We are called to something that's incredibly, like, organic. It pulsates with the life of Jesus. It is real. It is observable. It leaves, it gives a witness to Jesus, and it leaves in this world the fragrance of the presence and the glory of Jesus Christ to people all around us. All right? So you've been called, we've been called to this. All right, now I just want to, describe for you some of the ingredients in that spiritual house and how he really brings this about for us. He says this in verse 7 of chapter 4. In these crucial times, this is how I've translated it, in these crucial times, stay focused so that you can pray. It says this, the end of all things is near. Well, that that, that meant things are at, at a critical place. Uh, he's talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus. He's, 
He's talking about how difficult things were. These believers were suffering physically in their bodies because they were followers of Jesus Christ. Do you understand? I've never suffered in my body for being a follower of Jesus Christ. I have never been whipped, beaten. Uh, there's this, I've never been deprived food, uh, jobs, because I was a follower of Jesus. Maybe you have, I haven't. These believers, they had. But he says this, whatever time, it's for believers of all times here, whatever the times are, these are critical, crucial times. And so, he says this, in these crucial times, stay focused so that you can pray. Or as it's written here, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. I mean, it's like a profound statement. He said, like, don't let yourselves fall back into the old ignorance and the old darkness. Live as people who have been surprised by mercy. Let the old life go. Give yourselves in full surrender to growing and passionate love for Christ so that you can pray. I'm to do all that so I can pray? <laughs> yeah, yes. Remember, we're trying to learn to do life like Jesus did life. Did you know that central to the life of Jesus was his, was his conversation with the Father? Was his life of drawing away, not, not on the run, but creating space and time in order to converse with God, his Father, and to listen to what God the Father was saying to him and expressing to God what was in his own life and kind of getting his, his directions down and understanding what the Father was doing in the world and developing that relationship so it was robust, it was strong, right? So that when he went out into the world and, and he was criticized and, and he was spoken against in other ways besides just criticism, when people plotted to kill him, when all kinds of horrible things were being planned against him, when he experienced rejection, he could keep his heart right and his eyes focused and he would still be the most joyful man you would ever come across in your life. Distributing the mercy of God and the power of God to undeserving people. Keep a clear mind so you can pray. Man, there's so much. We'll... We'll, we'll just loop back onto this. But here's some of the things that you can pray about if you wondered. You can pray about this, the next verse. Above all else, love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. See, keep self-controlled and clear-minded so you can pray. Well, why would I need to pray? Well, because I'm supposed to love you. <laughs> I mean that with all affection. No, because you're supposed to love, because you're called to love each other. Because we are called to love one another deeply, deeply love one another. Because we know that love covers a multitude of sins. This is what love does when it sees sin in one another. When it experiences sin even in ourselves, love covers a multitude. Love doesn't break fellowship just because there is sinning. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love in relationships draws us together in, in humility before God, in love, acceptance, and forgiveness, in a call to repentance, in encouraging one another, and working out this love of God within our lives. And I don't know how to do that without prayer. 
I don't know how to do that without prayer. God, help my heart. Help my heart keep right. Change, change me, Lord, so that I know how to look at these other people in, in my life, people that I'm, I'm committed to. Sometimes we don't want to get close to people because we know that they will disappoint us or we know that they are, well, they know, we know they're not like us. Did, did you know that you are a miraculous collection of people called into community with Jesus Christ? And Paul says, not many of you were wise and not many of you were influential and not many of you were like, you know, the, you know the, 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 the most important people in the world. But God called you so that in calling you and bringing you together, he could display his glory and everybody know that God did this. God did this. I just love it. Used to, used, to, used to pray at a previous church I was at. There was David. He started coming to our church. He was... Uh, he had been, I think, in an industrial accident. He had lost his, his uh, lower part of his leg, so he had a, um, um, a uh, prosthetic leg. And so he, uh, it was so interesting. We had a night of prayer once, and Dave was really quiet. And he, he was one of the guys I would say, if you didn't, like, open your eyes, he just kind of was along the baseboard of the church. And, I mean, you just couldn't you just blend it in and see him. But he was just, like, so hungry for Jesus. And he started coming to our prayer times, and I never will forget on one particular occasion he got tired of kind of being in the prayer with that leg and he just right in our prayer time he just unhooked his leg and laid it on on the altar here and i just i just kind of started like thanking god because god only you could have brought all of these different people together what did we have in common we had in common jesus christ in your groups, in connection with one of the spiritual house that God is building, people come with amazing giftedness, with great hunger for God, stories of God's work and mercy in their lives. We're from all over the place. What in the world would ever draw us together in community? It is this Jesus who has provided for us a new life. It is this Jesus through whom God is now building us into a spiritual house so that together we can display the glories of the one who has loved us. Love covers over a multitude of sins as well. Not only our differences, but just our sins against one another. Love covers. Love covers. Doesn't excuse, just covers. Just by the blood of Jesus. Just covers. Just, it just, My, da- my uh, daughter called us about uh, our, our grandchild, uh, Annie, and uh, she's about to turn 14. Um, she shared uh, with her mom this week uh, that there was this really annoying boy at school. <laughs> I like how it starts, right? This really annoying boy at school, and everyone is kind of mean to him. And, and she said that she wasn't really mean to him, but whenever he talked to her, she doesn't answer with words. She just says, uh-huh, and mm, yeah. But then recently, she was thinking of the line in the song entitled, So Will I. And the line says, if you gave your life to love them, so will I. So she started being nicer to him and talking to him, and now even playing basketball with him and some other kids at P.E. And she said the way she sees him has changed, 
And it's not just like she knows God loves him. It's like, wow, I bet he doesn't even know how much God loves him. Is this, this is not your own love. See, this is why you and I can actually love one another and from that practice field here, Love covering a multitude of sins. We can love others that are outside the scope of God's experiencing God's mercy right now so that we are instrumental in attracting them to Jesus. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Well, there you go. Let's go to the next one. Um, No. Offer hospitality. You know what? The word hospitality, it means showing Welcome to strangers. In a world where we are often strangers, we are not to be strangers to one another. Offer hospitality. So we keep inviting other people that we don't know into our hearts and our lives and into our homes and into our love. We can do that, right? So you don't need to leave, live with a, a scarcity mentality. We don't need to leave, live under the myth of scarcity. You know, some of us, like, we're not very free with giving or, or tithing, and they'll say, because we have a scarcity mentality when it comes to money. And we don't, we're, some of us are not really very hospitable because we have, a, we have a protectionism about our lives. Our lives are filled with fear about people. And what if people take advantage of us? And what if people take away from us because we're living in a scarcity, a scarcity? mentality and we we say like well i don't know if i have enough love to go around don't we have enough people here already i mean aren't we already doing enough right and we 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 think that we we have this idea because we live in a in a with a scarcity mentality rather than the mentality of abundance when we had our first child we loved him crazy when lynette was pregnant with the second we we were worried we said how are we going to love somebody else without it diminishing the love that we have for our firstborn. And did you know what happened? We put our firstborn on Craigslist and just, no. (laughs) What happened was we discovered that we had enough love. Isn't that amazing? We had enough love. Oh, my goodness. We had enough love to go around. So offer hospitality Henry Nouwen says this, in a world full of strangers, estranged from their own past, culture, and country, from their neighbors and friends and family, from their deepest self and estranged from God, we witness the painful search for a hospitable place where life can be lived without fear and where community can be found. Or as he said elsewhere, hospitality therefore means primarily the creation of a free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy, instead of an unknown entity. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them a space where change can take place. Offer hospitality without grumbling. You know, Without grumbling. Because <laughs> sometimes you grumble, right? Sometimes you start complaining. Ah, it's too hard. <laughs> you want to say that with me? Uh, no. But it's just like, right? It's too hard. It's requ- you, know what it, you know what it's requiring most of the time? 
It's requiring us to expand our capacity. It's, ex- it, it, it's requiring us not just to do what we can do, but to do what Christ in us can do. Right? Amen? So offer hospitality without grumbling. So, so, so you know, these are critical times. So live focused upon Christ, the living stone, so that you can pray. Because you're going to need prayer because what is required in this building, this spiritual house, this community that God is creating as an expression of his deepest love and his passionate concern for the world, what God is creating is going to require your hearts to be in tune with him so that you can pray, so you can love one another deeply, for love covers a multitude of sins, right? So that you can offer hospitality to each other without grumbling. The next part we'll get to next week. Serving one another. Serving one another as God provides the strength. All right, listen. Um, here's, what, here's what you could do, right? Here's what you could do. It's a good, good place to start today. I will embrace my relationship with Jesus. I will embrace this. I will embrace who I am as a person chosen by God and, 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 and as a one who comes to him as a living stone. I will embrace what he's doing in my life. I will reimagine my life as a follower of Jesus. Amen? Secondly, I will engage in my call into community with other followers of Jesus. I, I, will, I will engage. I will, with, maybe with fear and trepidation, a lot of questions yet to be answered. But I'm, because this is his vision for my life, I am willing. Without all the answers, without everybody getting get everything, I will understand I'll probably be brought together with people that are not like me. But you know what? Jesus, Jesus is our Jesus is our center. Jesus is the one that we worship. He's the one that draws us together. I will do this. I'll engage in my call into community with other followers of Jesus. I I don't even know how I'm going to do that. I'm so busy. I commute to Seattle. I've got kids in this. I've got kids in that. We have all these other priorities. We have all these other things going on. We're pulled by a thousand voices. But I will figure out how to do this. And I know it's going to require me to pray. So my heart is truly willing to step into the vision that God has for me as a follower of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we're just really thankful for uh, the reality of the kind of life that you're calling us into. It's awesome. We just tell you, thank you for caring enough about us to tell us what's on your heart and to invite us into it. In Jesus' name.